Verse 3, Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Mark chapter 8 and, and 38, Jesus says, Whoever is ashamed of me in this sinful and adulterous generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Second coming of our Lord. Acts 1 and verse 11. Acts 1 verse 11, as the disciples watched Jesus ascend up into the sky, the angel said to the disciples, this same Jesus whom you have seen go up into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go up. He is coming again. And just like we were singing, in the morning of joy, in the morning of joy, that second coming to many of us will be a day of anticipation and assurance, but to others it will be a day of doom and despair. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is Revelation 22 and verse 20, where Jesus says, I am coming, and they respond and say, even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come. So this morning we will notice some things about the second coming. First, we'll notice some features of the second coming. And then secondly, we'll notice some events associated with the second coming. And then finally, some responses to the mistakes that are out there about the second coming. Now concerning those mistakes, guys, it's so true, it's so true, that lies and falsehoods fly around this globe faster than the truth can get its boots on. There's a bunch of lies out there and falsehoods, misconceptions about the Bible, especially about the second coming. Okay. So for us to be detailed in this would take us a whole month, 24 hours a day, literally. Not kidding. Okay. But this will be our situation this morning. First of all, some features, some, some features of the second coming. When Jesus comes again, it will be a definite day. The second coming involves a definite day. Acts 17:31, Paul says, God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. It is a definite day plan by God. Sometimes it's called the day of the Lord, such as 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 2. Sometimes it's called the day of the Lord. Philippians 1 verse 10 says it's the day of Jesus Christ, the day of Christ. Whatever it's called, it is going to be a definite day. Also, concerning the second coming, these features, the time is not revealed. Be turning over to Matthew 24 for a second. If you don't mind, Matthew 24, notice that the time of the second coming is not going to be revealed um, before it happens. Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about this day, starting in Matthew uh, 24 and verse 36. You'll see it there in your Bible. He says, Matthew 24, 36, but concerning that day, concerning that day, Jesus had just been talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in the earlier parts of Matthew 24, but now he turns 
And he says, concerning that day, the second coming, concerning that day, that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor even the Son of God, but the Father only. We continue, verse 37, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were being married and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware, they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So notice these first three features here. It will be a day, a definite day. God knows that day. It's interesting that some people think they know when that day is coming, when even Jesus, when he was on earth, did not know that day. How arrogant can you be? And so the time is not revealed, and life will be carrying on as normal. You see that here in the, in the illustration uh, going back to the days of Noah. Just as in the days of Noah, they were being married, they were given in marriage. He says that because life will be going on as normal. There won't be anything that just sticks out to say, hey, this is the second coming of Jesus. And they, in the days of Noah, they were unaware until the very day in which it happened, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. All right, and so some more features. The, the coming of Jesus will be a very personal event. Okay, it's not just some story, okay, where you learn a few lessons, it's actually going to happen. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, verse 16, Paul says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Notice how personal that is. Notice how literal that is. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. Okay. Not only will it be a personal day, but it will be a very audible day. Notice, staying right there in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And so there will be a lot of sound associated with that day. But also it will, be a, it will be a very visible day. A visible day. The Lord will come in a visible way. Revelation 1 verse 7. Revelation 1 verse 7. In the Lord's coming it says, Every eye shall see Him. Every eye. Every eye. What does that mean? Every eye that's on the earth at that time, whether it's here, there, India, or Canada, or Alaska, or wherever, every eye will see him. And then the Lord's second coming will be a final day. It will be the final day on earth. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 23 and 24, as Paul discusses the second coming, he says, then comes the end. Then comes the end. Then comes the end. And as Jesus is speaking of the second coming in John 6, 39 and 40, he calls it the last day. The last day. It will, that will be it. When he comes, that will be the last day. And so here are a few features or highlights of the second coming of Jesus. Let's notice now together, let's notice now some events. But before we do so, stop right there and, and let's tell ourselves there's no reason to doubt that Jesus is coming. There's no reason to doubt this day of the Lord because God has a very, very, very strong and perfect record of keeping His Word, doesn't He? I mean, way back in Genesis 3.15, He says, you know, 
that Christ would come and bruise the head of Satan, and that happened. Okay. Way back in Genesis, God said, I'm going to cleanse the, the earth with a flood, and he did, and that happened. Okay. Way back in Genesis, God said, I'm going, to, I'm going to punish severely Sodom and Gomorrah, and, he, and that happened. Okay. Way back in Genesis, God said, through Abraham, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth, and that is currently happening now, happening now through uh, Jesus Christ. Okay. And so God has a very strong record of keeping his word. And we can anchor ourselves in these promises of God. And we ought to anchor ourselves in these promises about the second coming. Okay. When you look over to such passages as Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, it talks about the promises of God in that context. The promises of God are so sure that they bring us hope. And in that hope that is set before us, we have an anchor. We have an anchor with God. And we are to anchor ourselves in these promises. When we anchor ourselves in the promises of God, we're not just constantly flying off in every direction. Okay? A lot of people do that. A lot of people believe anything that just comes along. Okay? And then all of a sudden they're flying off toward that belief. Or they're flying off toward this belief. And, there's, and they're, they're not, their soul is not anchored in the promises of God. A lot of times the thing that causes us to fly off in a direction is the stress of life and, and the challenges of life and, and the afflictions of life. That can really cause us to fly off the handle. But look, we have the promises of God. We have the hope of God. We have the second coming which is coming. And so we can anchor ourselves. And we ought to do that. We ought to anchor ourselves. So you say, how can you anchor yourselves when you know there's, there's things in the world that are just... just, just Troublesome. Well, because what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he says, Godliness has the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. See, our hope is not in this world, in this life, but it is also in that which is to come. So let us anchor ourselves. We don't have to be flying off. You know, have you ever tried to catch a plastic bag in the parking lot of a church in the middle of the day when the wind is blowing about 25 miles? Have you ever tried to scoop up some candy wrappers out there when the wind is blowing? Okay. Well, that's how a lot of people live their lives. They're not anchored in the promises of God. All right, so let's notice some events associated with the second coming. First event we'll mention is the resurrection of the dead. This is what's going to happen when Jesus comes again. We can notice a passage like John 5, 28 and 29. John 5, 28 and 29. Jesus said, marvel not at this, the hour is coming and now is when, when all who are in the tombs shall hear my voice and shall come forth or come out. And then they that have done good unto a resurrection of life and they that have done evil, John 5, 28 and 29. They have done evil to a resurrection of condemnation. Going back to John 6, and if you just read verses 39 all the way down to about verse 54, when Jesus mentions the last day, he says, I will raise him up at the last day. I will raise him up at the last day. 39, 40, 44, 54, John 12, 48. John 12, 48, you remember this one. Jesus says, he that rejecteth me and receives not my sayings has one who judges him the word that I have spoken to you, the same shall judge him in the last day. Jesus will raise us up at the last day. Okay. And then another thing that's going to happen there on the, on the uh, second coming 
Jesus will change our bodies. He'll change, everybody's bodies will be changed. Those who are living and those who are coming up out of the grave, their bodies will be changed. Okay? And this changed body will unite with our spirit or soul, and then that qualifies us to go to heaven. Passage there is Philippians 3. Philippians 3 and 21. Philippians 3, 21. Paul says that God will change this lowly body, this vile body, to be made like unto his glorious body. So this body that we have now, there's a lot of hope packed away in this idea. Okay. This body that we have now will be changed to be like unto Jesus' glorious body. Okay. That's why in 1 John 3, in verse 2 and 3, we read that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him, and then we'll be able to see him even as he is. We can't see him even as he is in this flesh, in this body. That which you look at in the mirror, you can't see Jesus as he is in this body. But once this body is changed, then something else uh, takes place. So there'll be a change of the bodies. And then also there will be the end of the earth. Yes, 2 Peter 3 and verse 10 teaches this. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away uh, with a great noise. Yeah, the earth will be no more. No more. Another event associated with um, the second coming of Jesus is the judgment of the world. The judgment will take place. A little passage that's so powerful is Romans 2 and 16. In that day. In that day. Romans 2, 16. Are you looking at it? Romans 2 and verse 16. Romans 2, 16. Paul says, in that day, when, according to my gospel, he says, in that day, when, According to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. You're not going to fool God. You might fool men. You can fool men all the way through this life. Okay. But you're not going to fool God. God will judge the secrets of men. On what day? On that day. On that day. So this is another event that's going to take place is the judgment of the world. Another passage there is Matthew 25, 31 to 33 where... Jesus says, you know, that all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them as, as um, shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. Okay. One on the right hand, one on, on the left. So the judgment of the world will take place. And then another event here mentioned, 1 Corinthians 15, 23 and 24. At the end of time, Jesus will deliver the kingdom to God. So it will be the delivery of the kingdom. And so the resurrection of the dead and the changing of uh, the bodies, the destruction of the world, and then the judgment of the world, and then the delivery of the kingdom. These were some of the events associated. All of this will take place at the second coming of the Lord. All of this will take place at the same time. Now let's drive home a, another point here. What about my faith? What about your faith? Do you believe that God can handle all this at one time? Do you believe that God can manage all of this at one time? Okay. Well, what's He doing now? What's He doing right now? What's He doing right now? Well, this is the first day of the week. Okay. There's more than us that's worshiping God right now. There's people all across this world worshiping God in spirit and in truth, and God promises that He will be with us. Do you believe that God is here in worship with us today? Well, if you believe that, then you also believe that He's also with every other congregation 
scattered across the plains all around the world. How's God doing that? He's, he's just able to do it. He's able to do it. God promises that when we walk with Him, He'll walk with us. That's not just a promise to you or to me. It's a promise to every faithful disciple across this entire world. Okay. So while God is with us in worship, He's also with us as we walk with Him. What about prayers? prayers does God hear the prayers of the faithful? So He's hearing the prayers all the time. At any hour of the day, he's hearing prayers all across this world from his faithful followers. Absolutely. What about God's providence? Is he working in the lives of those who follow him? We believe that. So how's he, how's he able to do And then how's he, he, he also upholding this world? What keeps this world going? What keeps the universe moving and, 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 and operating? What's God's doing that? You know, God's just good. You might even say he's better than grandma on Thanksgiving morning in the kitchen. I mean, she's just managing how she's doing that, you know. Well, there's somebody better than grandma. God can manage all of this at the same time. These are some of the events. And then finally this morning, what about some responses to that which is taught out there? Okay. All right, so let me stop right here and say, as I said a minute ago, there's literally, literally, easily, 50 or more different things that are said about the second coming of Jesus which are simply not true. But here's one scenario. Some people believe, some people believe, supposedly, they believe that Jesus will come, and when he comes, he will come in a, in a silent way. And when he comes in this silent, invisible way, that he will take those on the earth who are living for him and the righteous dead, he will take them and he will snatch them away to heaven. They call that the rapture. There's not one bit of that taught in the Bible, but they call it the rapture. And the word rapture just simply means to seize or to snatch, but it's just simply not taught in the Bible. So they believe that God's going to come in this silent way. And then when he does, that's going to trigger a tribulation period of seven years or so. And then after this tribulation period, there's going to be this thing called the Battle of Armageddon. And then after that conflict, then Jesus will then come back to the earth, to the city of Jerusalem, sit on a real throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years and during which there's going to be a lot of, of Jewish people who have not yet claimed him to be the Messiah, then they will claim him during that, that period. And then after that period, there will be the final judgment. Okay. You've already seen holes in all this, but I'm telling you, that's what people say. See, some people believe, and this is all supposedly, supposedly, okay, supposedly. Right. In other words, it's not true. But supposedly they say Jesus is going to make three trips to earth. He's already made one when he was crucified. He'll make the next one when he does this silent rapture. And then his third one will be when he reigns in Jerusalem for a thousand years. Supposedly. There's not a bit of truth behind that. Supposedly, people say that earth's history is divided into seven different ages. Okay. They say that the first age was innocence. 
and the second age was conscience, and the third age was human, human government, the fourth age was a promise, the fifth age was law, the sixth age was grace, and the seventh age will be kingdom. They say, supposedly, that we're now in the age of grace, and the age of the kingdom is about to come. But they've been saying it's about to come for a very long time. And they have to keep maneuvering and adjusting their, their predictions. But, but in a summary fashion, that's some of the things that are out there. How do we respond to some of this? First of all, first of all, Jesus when he comes is not going to be secretive. It's not going to be silent. We've already noticed that. We've already noticed that. It's not, every eye shall see him, Revelation 1 and verse 7. And then you've got the noisiest verse in the Bible. Did you see that? 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. That's the noisiest verse in the Bible. You think you've heard noise. You think you've got a little boy and he's noisy. You had not seen. You hadn't heard nothing yet. Can you imagine a noise that can be heard completely around the world with no mistake, clear as can be. Okay. So when Jesus comes again, there's, it's not going to be, well, is that him coming? Is it? No, it's, it's going to be definite day, and there's going to be no mistake about it. Okay. And so, of course, that's one response we would have. All right. Secondly here, when Jesus comes again, there's not going to be a time or place for anything further. There's not going to be a time or place for more tribulation on the earth. There's not going to be a time or place for, um, for some kind of conflict called Armageddon. There's not going to be a time or place uh, for Jesus to, to reign on earth. When Jesus comes again, there, it's going to be demolition time. The Lord is going to destroy this entire universe. Okay. Look with me in 2 Peter 3 and it's not going to be verse 10 this time. It's going to be a verse earlier, but it's, it makes it very, very clear. 2 Peter 3, this time verse 7. Verse 7. Peter's been talking about the destruction of the world earlier in history uh, through the means of the water that God sent upon in Noah's day. And he said, this happened by the word of God. Now notice verse 7, 2 Peter 3, 7. He says, now by that same word... The heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire. That's what it says. By that same word, the word of God, the heavens and earth that are now exist are stored up, stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And so there won't be a place for anything further. And as we mentioned a little bit ago, this is the last day. This is the last day. So there won't be a time or place, time or place. We could, have, we could say a lot more, but we're trying to stay within the confounds of time. I would love to talk to you about the word appearing, the word appearing. Jesus appeared on the earth one time, and there's going to be a second appearing. Turn with me just for one place here, Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9. We could multiply many passages just like this. But Hebrews 9, we've, we've referred to Hebrews 9, 28 
27, a lot of times it's appointed unto man once to die and after this a judgment. But notice Hebrews 9 and 28. It says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Okay. He is going to make a second appearance, not on the earth, but in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. We shall meet Him in the air. Okay. There's a big reason for that, because the earth is going to be destroyed. The universe is going to be destroyed. You don't want to be here. So another response here is that when Jesus comes, there won't be any separate or different judgments. It all takes place at one time. Acts 24.15, for example, Paul mentions that when Jesus comes again, there will be a, the resurrection of the just and unjust. Okay. There won't be a silent resurrection of the, of the righteous at one period, and then later a resurrection of the unrighteous at another period of time. It all of them take place at one time. Matthew 25 again, 31 to 33, all the nations of the earth will be gathered before Him. What that means is that every person who's ever lived and every person that is living at the time that He comes will be gathered before Him. It will be a massive undertaking. No wonder we sing the song, there's a great day coming because it will be a day that you could never really imagine in your own imagination. It is the day. It is the greatest day, the greatest day that we will ever experience. And everybody will experience that day. Everybody, every knee shall bow, we read in Romans 14 and Philippians 2. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall convert, con confess. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, all shall appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody, all shall appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And then uh, this response. There's not going to be a future reign of Jesus on the earth. There's not going to be a literal reign of Jesus in a literal place like uh, Jerusalem. For one thing, Jesus is already King of Kings, Revelation 17, 14. Jesus is already declared to be King of Kings. When did He become King of Kings? When He resurrected from the dead when he ascended up on high he sat down on the right hand of God he is now ruling he is now ruling over his kingdom which is the church he is now king of kings as Peter says it in 1 Peter 3 22 Jesus has gone up into heaven and he's on the right hand of God angels and authorities and powers are now being made subject unto him does that sound right it sounds right Okay. That is right. right. He is king of kings. Okay. And then on that judgment day, there will be this special delivery we mentioned from 1 Corinthians 15, 23, and 24. Jesus will take His kingdom, His church, His people, and He will say, here they are, God. Here they are. Don't you want to be part of that kingdom? Well, did Jesus ever talk about the kingdom while He was here? Yes, He did. Yes, He did. He said to Peter in Matthew 16, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Peter was given the keys of the kingdom and he used the keys of the kingdom on the day of Pentecost. 
The keys are the ancient gospel of Jesus Christ. In obeying those words, we are led to salvation. We are led, we are added to the church, which is uh, the kingdom. Okay. Luke twenty-two thirty says, Jesus talking to his disciples, establishing the Lord's Supper. He says, the Lord's table will be in the kingdom. Jesus says, I'm setting up this Lord's Supper, the Lord's table, and it will be partaking of in the kingdom. And so what do you see? You see the early church, like Acts 20 and verse 7, that Sam quotes all the time. Acts 20 and verse 7, they met in Troas on the first day of the week and they partook of the Lord's Supper. We partake of it now because we're in the kingdom just like they were in the kingdom. And then the new birth. The new birth, according to Jesus in John 3, 3 through 5, the process of new birth involves the direction, instruction of the Holy Spirit combined with our obedience, which also involves the water. So whoever is born of the Spirit and the water is added to the kingdom. Okay. You see that in John 3, 3 through 5? It's amazing that so many in this religious atmosphere of ours, they believe in the new birth, but they don't believe in the kingdom. How under the sun can you do that? Okay. How, can, how can you even imagine that? Jesus said, if you go through the new birth process, you're going to be in the kingdom. So the new birth is in the kingdom. That's why Paul says in Colossians 1 and 13 that we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love, into the kingdom of His dear Son. We've been translated. We've been taken from one place to another. Aren't you thankful that as you obey Christ, then God takes you out of the kingdom or the sphere of darkness and places you into the kingdom of His dear Son. Okay. And so those walking around following Jesus in the first century, they were in the kingdom. And we can be there as well. Okay. So there's no such thing as a future kingdom. Jesus is now ruling over His people. So that's as far as we'll go. We could say so much more than this, but we wanted to take a moment this, this morning and notice some features of the second coming, some events associated with the second coming, and then responding to some of the, some of the uh, to say it lightly, some of the misconceptions uh, that are in the world. And maybe we'll have an opportunity to follow up on some of these ideas. But this morning... What is your thought? What are your thoughts about the second coming? We were singing a song a moment ago, It is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul? Is the second coming well with your soul? Can you safely and with a tremendous amount of confidence say, like they said at the end of the book of Revelation, even so come Lord Jesus? Would it be the greatest day in your life if Jesus was to come at, at 12 o'clock today? Come on, Lord. We know you're coming. When are you coming? When are you coming? We don't know when he's coming. No one knows when he's coming. So we must be ready. Is it well with your soul? Have you been added to the kingdom through the new birth process? Are you ready to go home with the Lord even right now? Will you come right now as we stand, as we sing?